We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Oh, wow. You're actually wearing your hair down tonight. Yeah, because I finally decided that I love my hair. I figured out the solution for my morning frizz, midday poof, and even next day bedhead. It's Frizz E Secret Weapon Touch-Up Cream by John Frieda. Well, you and your hair look flawless. Flawless and touchable. Feel. Oh. See? It's soft. Smooth ends. No flyaways. Shiny. Well, I clearly need to get some because your hair looks amazing. Frizz E Secret Weapon. Only from John Frieda. Welcome to the Rotowire College Football Podcast. I'm James Anderson, joined, of course, by our college football expert, Mario Puig, to break down the week three action uh, that's happening on FanDuel. Uh, I guess, you know, the, there's always a few games before the, the Saturday slate, which is where uh, the majority of our, our action is at. But, uh, you know, they've got a few games Thursday, Friday. They've got a contest op- or a few contests open on FanDuel. Uh, I, I think the big guy is Dalvin Cook from that slate. I mean, he went crazy last week. And then, uh, of course, a guy who maybe underwhelmed a little bit relative to how much you had to pay for him was Deshaun Watson. Any snap judgments on either of those players? And just looking at their matchups, uh, Clemson at Louisville, Florida State at Boston College, how do you see those two players performing this week? Well, it's a pretty small slate. There's only three games available between Thursday and Friday. It's Clemson, Louisville, Florida State, Boston College, and uh, so is it one New Mexico. 
Yeah, New Mexico, Arizona State. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, yeah, Deshaun Watson actually did pretty well last week. It was it was it was not as competitive as a game as probably most people expected. I thought it would be more competitive than that, but Appalachian State just got dismembered uh, pretty much the whole game, start to finish. So Deshaun Watson didn't need to do too much in that game. So that probably won't be the case against Louisville. Like Louisville is a mess right now, but. They're still better than Appalachian State. They've uh, shown the ability to play pretty good defense. So being on the road, going against a defense that's done that, you know, it shut down Auburn in week one, but it's it's kind of hard to tell whether that is the Louisville defense or it's the Louisville defense that kind of struggled against Houston last week. So I tend to think like Deshaun Watson is good enough to handle himself in this setting. The, the only problem is uh, without Mike Williams, they're the number one receiver. He's out with the neck injury. Without him, there's no really good deep threat on that team. There's no good big receiver on that team. Like Sharon Peak is the default replacement, but he's never done anything. I and mean, to, to be fair, he has had a lot of injuries. But uh, he had a two-touchdown game last week. It was basically the first thing he's done really ever in the past five years at Clemson. So I'm not inclined to think he's going to match up that well with Louisville. If if you're with that said, looking at the quarterbacks on this slate, you're probably not going to want to go with Everett Golston, or at least if you do, you're you're braver than I am, just because <laughs> he looks he's like pretty bad. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on over there. He he obviously had a pretty good week one against you know it was just Texas State, but to just completely fall apart against South Florida. They're, they're probably a pretty tough team. I mean, Willie Taggart is a good coach, but there's no, there's no reason for that to happen. Now he's going down the road against Boston college, who I don't think we can know much about at this point. They haven't had, uh, I mean, other than they're not very good, but they, they're a team that tends to play pretty good defense from year to year. Uh, they did, they did beat Howard 76 to nothing to be fair. But the week before that, they only put up 24 points against Maine combined those two teams put up three points on boston college so it's hard to see it as a favorable matchup for golson and yet uh the only other serious option on this slate is mike berkovicki at 9500 making him the highest priced quarterback so yeah i would prefer watson at 9300 over berkovicki at 9500 just because it's it's a big talent gap between the two and New, New Mexico can't really put that many points on Arizona State, or at least I don't think they will. So I don't necessarily see much volume there for Berkovicki. DJ Foster probably probably has a day in that one, though, right? I mean, he he kind of bounced back. Week two was was pretty involved in the running game uh, compared to what what happened in week one. Yeah, he's he's definitely uh, with good reason the top receiver on the slate, and at seventy six hundred. I think that's I think that's a price I would rather pay than, you know, 8900 for Dalvin Cook just because at running back you can get a DeMario Richard mm-hmm. at 7800 in a much better matchup. Uh Wayne Gallman at 6700 is is curiously low given that Tyler Rouse who's at most kind of like a co-starter for Boston College, he's at 7000. Uh, I would not pick him. But anyway, so yeah, I I think it makes sense to try to build with starting with like kind of Foster I'm not really in FanDuel where it's half point PPR. I'm much less intrigued by Artavis Scott than I would be in full point per reception because Artavis is pretty much an all after the catch guy. You can't really count on touchdown production with him. So you got to hope that he just kind of turns his targets into to receptions that turn into points because betting on that six is not necessarily a great bet. But yeah, so 
Foster's Foster's definitely hard to pass on, even in a game that Arizona State should win easily, just because with Kalen Ballage, I mean, he's questionable as far as I know, but he missed the last game with Mono, which I don't think is a one-week kind of thing. But anyway. Probably not. Probably not. So Foster's kind of like the first running back off the bench, the top receiver in the offense. He should, even if he only plays a half, he should he should have his value met. But yeah, it's obviously not many options on a slate right. this small, so it's so, it's somewhat luck based anyway. Moving on to the early slate on Saturday, uh, one of the the more appealing games, just from a, an over under standpoint and a, a betting line standpoint, is the the Illinois at North Carolina game. Is the hate parade going to be at full force after this game with with Larry Fedora or? Could we all kind of walk away happy here? Well, Illinois' defense is probably bad. It's hard <laughs> to tell. I mean, they've. It's neither of these teams have been very easy it's to figure. Bad. It's it's been very bad for a long time, and I I fully believe it will be bad again. I I think North Carolina should win this pretty easily, and I'm I'm a little bit afraid of the Illinois guys. Uh, I mean, Lunt is obviously doing well for himself. Uh, Geronimo Allison, the clear number one receiver, he's doing well. Josh Ferguson probably the best pass catching running back in the country but the north carolina defense i mean gene chiswick that doesn't move the needle the needle for me that much but he does seem to have gotten that defense at north carolina much better than it was a year ago uh they gave up 14 points to uh north carolina a and t last week which is uh one more point or uh, just three more points than they allowed to south carolina in week one so it's it's possible that, especially being at home, that the Illinois offense might kind of stumble a bit in this one. But on the other hand, I, neither the South Carolina offense nor the North Carolina A&T offense was much of a test for North Carolina. So there's a lot of uncertainty here. The only players that I the players that I feel best about, I should say, are Marquise Williams and Elijah Hood on North Carolina because I'm I'm just not worried about Illinois slowing either of them down. As always, the North Carolina receivers are just impossible to sort out. Like Bug Howard tied for second with eight receptions. Like and Mac Hollins, who is kind of like their best receiver for long stretches last year, he's just buried on the depth chart now. I, I can't predict those guys at all, but Lunt should get volume. <clears throat> Geronimo Allison, if somebody's going to catch a touchdown pass, you have to make him the favorite. He's been getting a lot of targets, and he's a six-four guy. So yeah, Elijah Hood though and Marquise Williams are what I feel best about there. Okay, let me throw three quarterbacks at you that are in the six thousand to seven thousand range. Lunt, who's sixty-nine hundred. And then Dane Evans, who's at Oklahoma, where they're, I think, like 30-point dogs. Yeah, I'll pass on him. Thomas Sirk hosting Northwestern, who's uh, 6,600. Out of those three, who are you going to invest in? Or are you just going to pass? So Lund at 6,900, Sirk at 6,600, very fair prices. But on FanDuel, you you have you can only pick one quarterback, so like you can't really miss and expect to compete. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of a miss risk with Wes Lunt, I think, and Evans I'm not really on. I think Cirque would I think Cirque would probably be my favorite of that group just because I happen to, I just think he happens to be quite good. He's at home against Northwestern who have a good defense, but it's they, they play against Stanford who are a joke on offense. I'm not convinced that they'll they'll hold up as well against Duke who seem pretty good on offense. They have two good running backs. Uh, they got a they got a few good receivers stepping up, and Cirque's the best quarterback they've had, I think. So uh, the other a, a decent bargain target, maybe. I probably want to make it just a tournament specific thing, just because it could 
go wrong. I mean, I, Deshaun Kaiser, is that where you're going? Uh, no, I was actually going to say Clayton Thorson, the Northwestern quarterback. Okay. Um, they haven't really shown him. They didn't use him that much last week, but he's got wheels. He can he can make a big impact in the running game. And I th- I thought he looked pretty you know good against Stanford in Week One. So I'm not I'm not sold on the Duke defense. It's technically it's it tends to be not that great from year to year. Uh, they started out really good, including shutting down a Tulane program that uh, you know Vegas thought would put some heat on Duke. But I don't know that Northwestern is just better than it's been in quite a while. And, and generally, Pat Fitzgerald gets production out of that quarterback position just from the scheme, like largely from rushing yards. You had Dan Persia and Kafka there. So I think I think Thorson's the next in that line. I think he's more Persia Kafka than he is, you know, Tre- Trevor Simeon. So I was yeah, I mean, I, I, I brought up Kaiser just because, you know, we're obviously without Malik Zaire for, for Notre Dame and they're on this slate. Uh, what do you know about Deshaun Kaiser? Did you get to see any of what he was able to do in that game replacing Zaire? And how do you see uh, Zaire's absence affecting William Fuller, who to this point has been possibly you know one of the best, if not the best, uh, wide receiver in, D- in DFS this year? Well, it hurts because Zaire, I think, kind of made clear that he's pretty good. Like he's he's he was like borderline awesome whenever I've seen him play, but. Uh, yeah, so that hurts Fuller definitely. I don't know what to make of Scheiser exactly because he kind of struggled up until that last, you know, miraculous touchdown. Um, that that last touchdown pass. But uh, I mean, if if you got if you got enough bankroll to put in a bunch of you know GPP type lineups, um, it might be worth consideration. But generally, I'd I'd probably prefer somebody like Thorson or Cirque in that price range. So, are you staying away then from a guy like uh, from like Fuller? I mean, his price seventy six hundred. I mean, that's that's cheaper than I think it was in previous weeks. Uh, there against Georgia Tech, are you going to wait and kind of see how that that whole thing sort of shakes out with him? I I all these top receivers aside from Sterling Shepard have big questions. Uh I I wouldn't really categorically remove uh not consider him, but I'd rather just pay the extra 100 for Sterling Shepard yeah. definitely. Yeah, Shepard. Shepard against Tulsa, that's that's pretty appealing. He he's uh probably going to have a, a pretty awesome year. Are there any wide receivers kind of under 4500 that you would look at and and Is maybe 4500 the minimum? Not on Fanduel, or I mean, yeah, yeah, or yeah, 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 yeah. Never mind. Uh, like under under five five thousand, maybe. Um. Well, there's. I haven't had a chance to look at that specifically. I mean, but T.J. Roming at Duke has been pretty good. He's a freshman. He's been making a big impact. Uh, Robert Davis at Georgia State might get a garbage, you know, box score against Oregon. He's forty eight hundred. He's in an offense that is without two of its top receivers, Avery Sweeting and Donovan Harden. But yeah, that's that's just a long shot kind of thing. All right, so I mean, running back is there? I mean, Ezekiel Elliott is the top guy. He's always just going to be the top guy, I guess, because of name value. But I don't know how how many carries you think he gets in that one. I'm guessing you're not. Gonna I'd rather take Royce there. Freeman at 8,900 against Georgia State, even though it's going to be Oregon winning easily with that hand injury to Vernon Adams. I don't think they're going to throw as much as they would normally. And they still don't really have a firmly established backup rotation, or at least nobody in the rotation has taken hold of a role in the way that Thomas Tyner did or that Byron Marshall did off the bench a couple of years ago. So Royce Freeman's going to get a lot of work, I think. Um, it's one of those things where I wouldn't be surprised if he has like all of their you know 
or like or, or at least like three of the four touchdowns they score in the first half. But uh, four net against Auburn. I, I don't know what to make of that. Auburn's defense has been pretty good. Fournette's obviously, you know, a beast, so he might be in that like matchup proof category. But if you look a little bit below him, there are guys that I feel less worried about, like a Jordan Howard taking on Western Kentucky. There's Jihad Thomas for Temple has been awesome. I that was I have not I did not expect that at all. He's a tiny runner, but they're giving him lots and lots of carries. He was he hasn't been very involved in the passing game yet. I think that might change because he was involved in the passing game last year and he's he's like a he's an in space type of running back like he was on kick returns too. He scored on one last week, I think even. So Jihad Thomas against Massachusetts, really good value there. He's probably going to be a very common cash game lineup. Hood, like we mentioned before for North Carolina, 7000 going against Illinois. I think that's a pretty good situation. I guess a lot of people are going to be targeting Peyton Barber, Auburn against LSU because Barber has been pretty much named the starting running back for them. Like he will start this next, this next game. It doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it's not obviously clear whether he's got a strong hold on that. However, because rock Thomas obviously started week one, Jovan Robinson is still there, but injuries let Peyton Barber step in and he's done a really good job. I don't think I'll be on him that much. Uh, just because I think Auburn is just rotten right now, and I don't really want anything to do with any of them. But otherwise, probably probably the best value in this slate that I've looked at so far at running back is DeAndre Furby's probably going to step in as the starting running back for Western Kentucky with Leon Allen out. They're going against Indiana, and Indiana's okay, whatever, but uh, they're... They're, they're not good enough to stop Western Kentucky, or I would guess anyway. So just kind of being the, the default runner in that offense gives him a, a pretty nice combination of floor and upside at 6,000. And then uh, the one, one team that's you know predicted to win by quite a bit is, is Texas A&M against Nevada. Is there a player that you see kind of getting garbage time production out of A&M? Is this the week uh, where Kyle Allen really goes off, or are they going to keep it on the ground there, do you think? I have no idea. I don't think Texas A&M knows what it's doing with its team in general, either on offense, because yeah, like Christian Kirk, I have trouble believing that he's really their best receiver. And yet there's, I, I have no idea. Their, their rotation is too unreliable. Trey Carson's probably the, the most solid bet on that team, but I generally don't really want anything to do with those guys outside of maybe tournament settings. All right. So Mario and I are obviously going to be playing on, on FanDuel this week, and, and you should too. You should go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use our code RWCFB and sign up right now. That's RWCFB. This is a special offer for new users. So for every dollar you deposit on FanDuel, they'll match it up to 200 bucks. That gets earned as you play. Again, that's two hundred dollars that you can earn if you deposit today for for new users, new users only. Uh, the first fifty people that use the RWCFB code uh, will will definitely be matched in that. And uh, yeah, I mean, go on there, deposit some cash, turn it into more cash. They'll they'll match you up to two hundred bucks if that's your first time. Uh, I'm sure not many of you are, are first time users on FanDuel, but if you are, you should definitely get on there and and take care of that today. Uh, the late slate, which was posted a little before, uh, a little earlier in the week, I guess this week than it was last week. Uh, a lot of stud quarterbacks kind of leading off the top there, with uh, Boykin, Falk, Goff, Kessler, Mahomes. Do you see value amongst any of those those top guys? Who are you gonna be paying up for? Well, ten thousand five hundred for Boykin is you know 
prohibitively expensive, but he's the top quarterback this week for me anyway. I think I think SMU is just good enough on offense to uh, convince TCU to let Boykin go into the third or fourth quarter, even though they'll probably have a big lead by then. But yeah, Boykin should go off in this one. SMU's on the rise, but they're not going to be able to stop TCU. I don't. Or, I mean, they got ripped up by Baylor in Week One, so I, I would expect a similar outcome for Boykin. Not necessarily as many huge passing plays as Seth Russell had, but a similar point total anyway. They're at home; it should be pretty easy. Um, my favorite. I guess value target among these quarterbacks, probably Seifo Leofau. I, I keep going back to him, but he's he's lowly priced on there, and he's going against Colorado State. He's showing an, he's, his passing has regressed this year, which is a concern, but he's turned into a productive runner. He's got, uh, let's see, he had 36 yards and a touchdown on the ground last week. He had 81 yards rushing the week before that. I think the passing numbers will come back because the volume's there and it's just strange that he would succeed the last two years and then all of a sudden not be any good when he has basically the same receivers to throw to in Nelson Spruce and Shea Fields. Uh, but yeah, anyway, Colorado State, I, I, it's not a pushover matchup, but I feel like Colorado has the talent to acquit themselves well in that setting. But yeah, otherwise, I mean, Gerard Hurd at 7,000 is kind of interesting for Texas California's defense has generally been quite bad. Mm-hmm. So uh, if Heard, I mean, Heard put up decent, you know, dual threat numbers against Rice last week. Uh, he only threw seven passes for 120 yards, two touchdowns, ran for 96 yards. The volume will go way up. Um, but yeah, that obviously that, that's kind of a tournament thing just because who knows what's going on in Texas just in general. They're, they're, they're a big, big mess right I, now. I was going to ask like Stanford and Texas generally sort of have the, uh, you know, the history or the track record of being solid defensive units. Do you see those two schools kind of slipping in that area? And could Cody Kessler or Jared Goff be a play? Well, Cody Kessler is in play, but I, I don't know that. I don't, I don't know that I feel that excited about him going against Stanford Goff against Texas is also kind of concerning. I I would probably lean more toward a, a safe Lufau, yeah. a Josh Rosen, if I'm not paying up for Boykin or Falk, Luke Falk, by the way, should do very well against Wyoming. Wyoming is just a mess right now. Has the wide receiver situation kind of become any clear at, at Washington State after two weeks? Well, it was always clear that the top three were going to be Gabe Marks, Dom Williams, and River Craycraft, and that has been the case. Craycraft started bad, uh, but he, he had a good game against Rutgers. Marks had a huge game. Williams scored two. So those three are going to just continue doing that. Marks is the best one, though. But, um, yeah, I see that Marks is still just at 7,000 on this slate, which is uh, wrong. He should be higher than that. Uh, so, yeah, Marks might be your highest-owned receiver on this slate. But Don Williams at 6,600, Craycraft at 6,500, also totally good targets. It's almost it's almost like with the, with this pricing. You, you double you, down? You, you can go to Washington State, guys. I, I see no reason against it because – that's the kind of offense. I mean, we're talking like 50 pass attempts mm-hmm. per game. And those guys are three players with a history of producing their long history of producing their Wyoming. It's just garbage by now. One of the most disappointing teams in the country. And they weren't even, you know, that good to start with, but yeah, otherwise Kobe Listenby at TCU is interesting. 5,900. He's going against SMU. So I guess if you, if you miss out on Boykin, maybe you can go with Listenby to try to catch some of that production and keep up with the people who do have, boykin there but otherwise it, it starts to thin out pretty quickly you might almost you might almost want to turn to uh 
a couple guys who are stud receivers going against tougher defenses, but that's Laquan Treadwell at 5,800 along with Devin Lauderdale, the Texas Tech receiver on the road against Arkansas. I, I don't know what to make of the Arkansas defense. They they were good last year and they 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 pretty much pummeled Texas Tech, but that was Davis Webb at the time and he's not good. Mahomes is really good. So maybe the Texas Tech passing game can do well for itself against an Arkansas team that just lost to Toledo. But yeah, otherwise it's it's obviously going to be slim pickings once you get below that range. Uh Britton Covey at Utah is an interesting target. He's uh he's been getting a lot of targets in that offense. Looks quite good. He's he might be this year's kind of Mike Dudek, uh the the freshman who makes a big impact right away. Um, even though he wasn't a very high recruit or anything. He's going against Fresno, so that that's a good matchup for him, the Utah receiver. Yeah, just looking at the Vegas lines, that Texas Tech at Arkansas game is the biggest one, I think, on the board for that late slate. It's uh, over under a 70. Really? Ar- Arkansas, 11.5-point favorites in that really? one. Really? Yeah, so... No. Uh, okay. Um, so, anyway. I mean, they're they're... But, I mean, with a line like that, though, you expect to be able to extract plenty of value from both sides. Yeah, I guess. It's it's definitely it's like an untested area for that team. I mean, they didn't do that well on defense against Toledo, and Toledo does not have Pat Mahomes or all the speed at receiver that Texas Tech does. Really quickly, if Rashard Higgins is out again this week, and even if he's in, Joe Hansley at 5,000 uh, for Colorado State going against Colorado Hansley would be a top target cash and tournament both if if Higgins were to sit out again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's very affordable for a guy who's been good the first two weeks. Is yeah, okay. So you're I mean, it sounds to me like you're gonna stay away from those kind of elite receivers, uh you know, the Boyds, the Coopers, Juju, Spruce, Higgins, all those guys are just too much value below them. Probably. I don't see a reason to go into the 8,000s for guys like that when we've got Gabe Marks at 7,000. I mean, I'd, I would probably rank Marks ahead of all of those guys independent of price. Even my boy Juju? After yes. what he did last week? Yeah, oh, definitely. Man. I mean, dude, do you see what Gabe Marks did last week? He, he caught like almost twice as many passes as Vince Mail two years ago. And Vince Mail and Isaiah Myers caught combined for like 190 catches last year. Uh, Craycraft and Williams will get their catches too, but Marks is like he can lead the nation in receptions this year. All right, is there is there any other game on this? I mean, this late slate to me is. I will mention at tight end, there's there's a lot of options, but uh, I don't see a reason to pass on uh, Hunter Henry at 3600 with. Keon Hatcher out for Arkansas. He was their lead receiver. He's out. Hunter Henry is going to need to be their best pass catcher going forward. He's not going to get as much usage as Hatcher did, obviously. But in the last game against Toledo, uh, Henry came through with eight catches for 117 yards. If he's going to do something like that again this year, it makes perfect sense for it to happen this week against Texas Tech. Uh, you know, one of the teams who can who can create an up-tempo game and you know put enough points on the board for Arkansas to, to move the ball downfield a little more aggressively but yeah the target should be there he's he's easily their most talented pass catching option so while a Steven Anderson at 3400 or uh you know Austin Hooper at 3300 might tempt I would definitely try to pay up for Henry there so that that UCLA uh BYU game is uh, another really high over under it's the, the late game 10 30 uh, have you have you gotten to see Josh Rosen play at all this year? I know that I mean at eighty one hundred, you're probably not going to pay up for him. But I mean, have you have you seen actually? He, I mean, he'd be the one that I would go for if it wasn't Luafau in probably cash games because again, it's 
after Boykin and Falk at the top, like I'm not really interested in anybody until we're talking like that 8,000 ish price range of Rosen and Leofau. So I haven't watched him play beyond like some of that Virginia game, mm-hmm. but I'm not, I'm not worried about his ability to do well in this game. I think he will do well. I think uh, BYU's defense is not particularly good. So okay. I like Rosen's chance. He had a, he had a dud against UNLV, but it's, it's hard to tell what to make of that. Exactly. Uh, his first road game, especially when he went 28 of 35 for three fifty one and three touchdowns the week prior. So I think he's more like the week one player than the week two. And as far as this slate goes, he's definitely one of the more reasonably priced options. Like I would much rather get Rosen at 8,100 than, you know, put up 8,800 for Kessler against Stanford. Would you pair him with a guy like Jordan Payton or no, I don't do UCLA receivers. (laughs) I mean, I might in a tournament setting, but they have, they they rotate a lot and it's, there's, they're not particularly good in my opinion. So like Payton's the best one. And I I don't think he's necessarily an NFL talent even, but yeah, so I I don't really like UCLA receivers, but it's not, there's not enough upside in that passing attack either to make like a stack a worthwhile pursuit, at least not when these Washington state guys are 7,000 and under. Who do you see winning that, that Iowa pit game? Uh, I I mean, both of those, they've got some names that I think a lot of people are kind of familiar with on the, the, the running backs, at least, uh, with, with Kadri Olison from, uh, I mean, I think he was pretty widely owned last week. Tyler Boyd, obviously. I mean, that's a, that's a game where I could see it being pretty close throughout, but I mean, if there's, if there's not a ton of firepower on either of those offenses, I don't think there's enough touchdown potential in that game to make it worth targeting. Um, it, if I, I guess if there was anybody I'd go after, maybe Jordan Canceri, the Iowa running back, if LaShawn Daniels stays out. LaShawn Daniels wasn't practicing yesterday. He had the ankle sprain that he suffered last week. So Canceri was splitting carries, mostly working as like a passing down type. But if he steps into a feature back role, let's see what he's priced at here. He's, he's 6,500 on FanDuel, which probably isn't low enough for me to consider. I'd rather go to 7,100 for a Michael Atkins or, uh, you know, somebody like Chris, even Christian McCaffrey at 6,400 on that fetid uh, Stanford offense. I would rather have <laughs> than probably uh, getting any action on that Iowa running game. Allison is interesting for Pittsburgh, but he disappointed a bit against Akron. Not sure what to make of that matchup for them going against the, an Iowa defense that is often pretty tough from year to year. But uh, against Iowa State, I can't remember how that game went here. Um, so Iowa played Iowa State last week. They gave up only 17 points. So <clears throat> I tend to think that the Iowa State offense has a really good receiver rotation, like one of the best. So if they held, if they held Iowa State to 17. I don't really like the chances of Chad Voidick and uh, what's his name? Peterman uh, getting any traction as passers against Iowa because I mean, Voidick's just awful. So he largely ruins Tyler Boyd for me. Uh, Boyd's awesome, but there's only so much he can do single handedly. How, how much of a believer are you in the, the old miss defense? Is it like a defense where you just kind of stay away from it no matter what this year or is there? Well, it just depends always on the prices. I don't think they're good enough to just shut down Alabama, especially because they, they seem to give up more yardage than they should have against Fresno last week. Fresno seems quite bad. And yet, um, you know, they gave up 21 points to them at home uh, in Mississippi. I mean, so 
I, I'm not like ruling out Alabama here, but it's it's not as if aside from Henry, there's anyone reliable there really. Uh-huh. And uh, I mean, yeah, I was mostly asking for Henry because I mean, and just kind of further down the the SEC slate. I mean, there's there's plenty of of stud running backs in that in that uh, conference that you you might want to start. For some reason, Kenyon Drake is still like pretty low on there. He's he's fifty eight hundred. Um, it's it's a really not a good matchup for him, but the other players in his price range are just you know mm-hmm. nobodies. So uh, that if that it's it's just between Henry and uh, Drake for me as far as Alabama considerations. But I probably won't be on either one really, just because I feel like there's comparable players with more favorable matchups. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that that kind of wraps it up. Unless there was there's anything else that I didn't hit on that you wanted to to get to on on either slate necessarily i don't know if there's any big injuries that people need to be watching out for other than we talked about richard higgins obviously i think his tag's been changed to to probable at least according to to FanDuel. but uh yeah i don't know if there's anybody else um that that is questionable in terms of playing on on either slate um well I, I haven't been able to it looks like the wisconsin troy game is not on these slates no. but uh cory clement's probably out another week for wisconsin so it's going to be another uh grim show of the <laughs> wisconsin backup running backs that was it ended up kind of paying off I oh mean, it totally it, did yeah, I mean, but the, yeah i mean daria gumbawale bad for a minute there daria is this guy who's like 190 pounds and looks like he runs like a four eight or something <laughs> like he can catch the ball yeah. and he's kind of slippery but he's just slow, and there's yeah. no power there's there. No and break Taiwan there. deals the the one who is supposed to be the upside guy, and he's he's big, and he can he's runs with some strength, but he's he looks dreadfully slow too. So Wisconsin's backup running backs are garbage. I can't believe how bad their <laughs> backup running backs are. There's, it's, yeah. Normally, there's always the James White, the Monty Ball the, behind the. The, the John Clay of the time, but this year they just have nobody but Clement, and they don't have Clement right now, so that's kind of interesting. Another injury, a running back situation, uh, Hansbro, for, Russell Hansbro from Missouri, I feel like he's out this week against Connecticut. Um, if he hasn't been declared out, I would, I would expect him to be declared out because Connecticut is really, I, I mean, I can't see them doing anything to Missouri, so they, they won't need him. I think it's Ish Witter who's looking like he'll start at running back. Uh, could be a favorable matchup. I don't know. It's not it's obviously not an exciting game, but um, yeah. Otherwise, let's see. Well, we, we should mention the best game on the slate, or not necessarily the slates as in Fanduel, but the best game this weekend has to be Bowling Green versus Memphis, which the over under is at seventy nine. Um, and it's only, and Memphis is only three and a half point favorites. So. Right, yeah, and I that's I, the point. Here's the thing: Bowling Green <laughs> is awesome. Like they torch. You love Bowling Green. Bowling Green is so good. Who do you like more, Bowling Green or Tennessee? Uh, maybe, maybe Bowling Green after Tennessee. Got well, I think Tennessee game. would beat them, given that they did in they, Week One. They, they already did. I but, mean, like, but but which team do you do you prefer? Talk. I about? mean, Bowling Green is more fun just because it's like they're they're there might never be a mid-major team with as much offensive talent as they have like ever because they they have they have the Baylor transfer Robbie Rhodes, uh, Roger Lewis, their best receiver. He's he's definitely four-star talent. He he could have he has the talent to play at bigger schools in Bowling Green. Uh, Chris Gallen, because of injuries, his, he's there in like a sixth season. He's he's an NFL you know fringe prospect. They got Gary Dieter, the SMU transfer, who was a pretty good recruit for SMU at the time. And Matt Johnson's just killing it right now. So 
They have a, they have a, just so much firepower on offense that like, no one can stop them. Any of these guys like sun playing on Sundays type of good? Or? Lewis is on right now. Lewis's Roger Lewis's trajectory implies first round upside. Um, I think Ronnie Moore, who I forgot to mention before, could turn into like a fourth, fifth round type. Like he's he's a. Uh, He's he's like an in space kind of player who can make an impact as a runner and returner and you know make plays downfield or after the catch on shorter routes. But um, otherwise, Gallon will probably get a look. He's a big receiver who has had a lot of knee problems the past two years, but he might get a look just because he was a standout athlete before his injury. So if he can put up some decent you know time to drill numbers and jump pretty high at six four two thirty or whatever he is, he he might get some looks in, in the NFL. But yeah, they they have NFL talent in those receivers, and you know who knows what Robbie Rose, the Baylor transfer, is. He's, he's he hasn't even really played much yet, so he could be a big talent too if if there were more of a role available for him. But uh, yeah, otherwise, I mean, that's that's the game I'm looking forward to the most. I'm definitely not that interested in. Uh, so could they? They're looking like they. I'm looking at their schedule right now. They go Memphis, Purdue, Buffalo, UMass, Akron, Kent State, Ohio. Um, I mean should be a lot of exciting games kind of on that schedule and yeah i'm i'm not joking at all matt johnson should be a heisman leader right now their, their quarterback he's been he's been so good and he missed last year with that i don't remember if it was a hip fracture but some kind of hip injury in week one he suffered but in his first two games back from that season ending injury he's 63 of 104 for 915 yards eight touchdowns and one interception and that was against both the times on or not on the road for Tennessee, but not at home. I guess neutral site is what they call it. Uh, but on the road against Maryland, 499 yards, six touchdowns, over 400 in both games, over 8.7 yards per pass against Tennessee. Yeah, he, he's awesome, uh, and he's just got so many weapons. Like I, I can't imagine that there's more than 10 to 12 teams in the country, Power 5 conference or not, uh, that have the receiver rotation as good as Bowling Green's. All right. Well, there you have it. I mean, that's that's a game to maybe have on uh, it's ESPN three. I'm sick of all these games being on ESPN three. Like, can't we just keep inventing? Channels? I don't even know what that is. It means you can watch it on your computer, but that doesn't help Mario and I when we're working on our computers and we want games on the yeah. My computer already doesn't work. I can't <laughs> load a football feed. Yeah, like I, I can't, it'll break. Can't it'll break it forever. <laughs> right. Right. Um, anyway, I'll try anyway because I, I can't I can't miss the, the Bowling Green <laughs> well, we, rotation. Well, we need to just figure out how to work these smart TVs in the office, which I I know I know that they're smart. We're not smart. The, the yeah. TVs are smart. But if we could figure out how to use those, and we could get that game on, maybe. Um, but yeah, I guess that that'll do it for us this week. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at RealJR Anderson. You can find Mario on Twitter at uh, NFL Draft underscore RW. Yeah, so. Hit us up with some questions. Uh, if you guys are listening, we'll we'll definitely get to those next week. And you know, take a look at that that slate for next week and give us some specific questions. We'll get those taken care of on next week's show. We'd love to talk to you guys. Yeah, yeah. No, we're doing this. We're doing this for you guys. We're quite lonely here. <laughs> All right, we will talk to you next week.